0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: And it's my pleasure to welcome on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, uh, Peter Hyams, Formula One historian. And, of course, he has authored four awesome books, and I guess we can walk him through it. Uh, Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here. So let's start, uh, I guess we can start chronologically. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, the, The first book I'm looking at here is Formula One, Car by Car, 1950 through 59 and, of course, that is such an interesting time in Formula One. You got the kickoff of the World Championship in 1950, and, of course, uh, dominated by uh, Ferrari and Maserati early on, and then you had the onslaught of the Mercedes team, and then uh, the transitioning later to the rear-engine cars by John Cooper. Can you walk us uh, through that, please?
0: Uh, it, it was a fascinating era. This book's um, due out in the States, I think, later this year, but... Um, basically the interesting thing is to see the change of the color of of motor racing grand Prix racing at that time because the cars all raced in national colors so it's the red of italy to begin with with alfa romeo uh, ferrari maserati um, and as you said mercedes-benz came in in 1954 and for two seasons absolutely steamrolled uh formula one racing so the color turns silver there was a period then when you had the red of Italy back again, um, with Ferrari, um, through when they took over the Lancia, uh, Grand Prix program, um, and then Maserati. And then by the end of the, by the end of the decade, um, the British had arrived with British racing green. So you had Vanwall winning the constructors title in 58. And by the end of the year, the rear engine revolution and Cooper, uh winning it obviously cooper also um put their toe in the water at indianapolis in i think 1960 i think with a rear engine car so you know it, it was just a fascinating era for technology and for
1: drivers yeah, and then the, the series kicks off in, with the Formula One car-by-car car 1960 to 69, which uh, many of us consider the, the one of the highlights of Formula One, uh, r- romanticized by movies like Grand Prix, but also it was quite a dangerous era era, uh, era too. But you had uh, cars of Ferrari, you had BRM, uh, and even some of the privateer cars, uh, uh, race teams like rob walker racing and uh, just a fascinating uh period uh, that that was too
0: well my my personal favorite is lotus i i first watched a race in 1973 and got you know intoxic- intoxicated by the sport watching ronnie peterson so um you know lotus came to the fore in the in the 60s um and you're right it was a dangerous era um without a doubt but it was an innovative era and a, 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 a time of change and um and yes there were you could still win as a privateer you know which um rob walker proved and and obviously we've recently uh, I, I come from england so you know we're feeling the loss of Sir sterling I, I know everyone is um but you know he won against the ferraris in a lotus that really shouldn't have been allowed to in 61 um uh, won races in germany and, and monaco um obviously never won the championship, but um, it was a fascinating era and um, a, an era of innovation and, um, and excitement.
1: Yeah, then, and then you the, the next one, of course, is Formula One car by car, 1970 through 79, and, of course, Jackie Stewart, who, who won Formula One championships in 69, 71, and 73, was probably at the top of his game. He had Tyrrell, which was a, a you know, a small team really i mean if you ever see the facilities they had back in those days it's amazing what they could do uh with with that team and then also you still had ferrari though mclaren was coming into its own at that time Uh, the aforementioned lotus with the beautiful lotus 72 one of the most gorgeous cars uh ever made and then you talk about later in that uh decade the lotus uh you know the, the ground effect lotuses of uh, that Mario Andretti drove to a world championship in 1978. Just a fascinating period also. I,
0: I, uh, I, I grew up, in, as I said, in that era. So for me, it's really personal. You know, I had the toys, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I was lucky uh, to actually go to Tyrell um, when I first started working for Autosport Magazine back in 80s-something or other, late 80s. And you're right, you know, if you go to there and you go to someone like McLaren now, you just can't believe that the same thing, you know, that they were a formula one team. Uh, and yet they were because they had the best driver in Jackie Stewart and they had a great designer in Derek Gardner, and they had a, you know, Ken Tyrrell was a workaholic team owner. Um, they punched above their weight and, um, you know, were impressive. And that, that decade also had, you know, you talked about Grand Prix as one of the great motor racing movies. Obviously, 1976 is immortalized in rush. Uh, you had the rivalry, Nicky Lauder and James Hunt, although they were great friends. Um, and, and, you know, Mario Andretti winning the world championship for Lotus. Uh, and then the, the last Ferrari world championship for 21 years in Jody Scheckter at the end of the decade. So um, a lot going on. And as you said, it was chassis versus engine, you know, Ferrari traditionally believed you build a quick engine, a powerful engine, and you win the world championship. And, um, the ground effect Lotus of 77 in the Lotus, what was the Lotus 78. And then when they won the championship, when they perfected it in the 79, the X year, you know, blew that out of the water. Cause you could take a Ford DFV engine and win the world championship against the v12 Ferrari, uh, flat 12 ferrari because you had a better chassis and um you go around the corners quicker you're on the straight quicker and you will win
1: you know if you go on youtube a lot of these uh some of the um world feed and bbc broadcasts are coming or coming up on youtube and i just saw the 1979 monaco race and you mentioned jody Scheckter. And to see Jody Schechter hustle that Ferrari in the first few laps of that race is, is just amazing. I mean, it's to see you know the, we're we're so used to the cars where everything nowadays is so exact and it's so important to to hit your the, you know the spots and your apexes and everything. Where at that time in '79, you could still manhandle a car around a, a circuit like Monaco, and it's just. Uh, so neat to see that and and to see the cars, how much they moved around. Is that something maybe fans may be missing a bit uh, today?
0: It's funny because um, I I used to work for a photo agency um, now known as Motorsport Images Um, and uh, the chief photographer at the time, um, uh, back in the 60s this is, uh, I wasn't working in the 60s, sorry, he was the chief photographer in the 60s and he once told me a story about um, a sequence of photographs he he took of graham hill who was going around a corner and there are three laps of him going around a corner and um he's sideways every time and the reason he's sideways every time is that morning the uh the photographer michael t uh, had said um you know racing was better back 10 years ago because the cars were sideways and you know and so graham said which corner you're at for the next practice session and he said which one and so he just threw it into power slide every time he went round and it looked better. But forever, people have said it's better back in the day, you know, and um, I, I, you know, I, I love motor racing in the 70s and the 60s and, and the 80s. Um, but I'm still I'm itching to watch the first Grand Prix and the first time we see cars move again this season
1: and then uh, the the other one yet yeah, the the fourth one of course is Formula One car by car 1980 through 89, and that's uh, where where you really see the dominance of uh, McLaren Williams, and uh, and I, we, we we mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, Nicky Lauda's comeback in 1984, and the dominant domination of Alain Prost, and then and then later in the decade with Ayrton Senna, who of course the anniversary of his death was yesterday, and uh, and. Just and then, of course, one of my favorite cars of all time is Alan Jones' the FW070 uh, Williams car, which I just thought had the prettiest lines on it. And uh, walk us through uh, that that decade, please.
0: Well, it um just a special time. I mean, the the drivers uh, you obviously have Senna versus Prost, which is one of the great rivalries in in Formula One history, and something that I think it really turned a lot of people onto the sport because it was yin and yang. It was, you know, good versus evil type. You know, that's how it was sold. But not only did you have Prost and and Senna, you had Nigel Mansell and Nelson Piquet and Gerhard Berger, and it just seemed like one of the absolute top times for driving talent. And then on top of that, you had the turbocharged um, Grand Prix cars, which the 1.5 turbos, were the most powerful cars of all time. Um, uh, so spectacular, you know, Keke Rosberg qualifying on pole position at over 160 miles an hour at um, at Silverstone, apparently with a slow puncture, you know, that this is the time of heroes. Um, so a really great era. And for me, um, I, I I left university in in uh, 1982, and I, I, I took a year out um, before I went and tried to find a job and um, satisfy my dad that I would make some money um, by going around the, the Formula One circuit um, in 1982. And, you know, it was just, it, it was a unique time in my life. and And, you know, it was a a difficult season because Gilles Villeneuve died that year that ricardo paletti died at the canadian grand prix so and there was a lot of controversy and a lot of um politics going on but you know that for me is a very special time
1: yeah certainly and that was kind of my um period i, I really enjoyed because you know obviously media was a lot different for me being in high school I loved reading uh, N.S. Ireland's and Rob Walker's uh, Grand Prix re- uh, Weekend Reports and Road and Track back in the day, and they really put you. They were really were able to, to to take you to that event, and I really bonded with Formula One that year in 1982, and really really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. Uh, unfortunately, Gilles Villeneuve was one of my favorite drivers as a kid, and yeah, it was certainly tragic in '82 and Paletti too, and and up in Canada that year. But it was a fascinating, a uh, lot of lot of things happening with uh, with the politics of Formula One that year, too, and uh, certainly enjoyed it. Peter, uh, we're talking about Peter Hyam uh, from Avril Publishing and his fantastic series of books here, Formula One. It takes you through 1950 through the 80s. I uh, highly recommend it. And what, what what's the easiest way to order these books, Peter?
0: Uh, I think through... I think through Everett Publishing's um, website, obviously Amazon and, and the you know all uh, normal normal uh, outlets, but um, yeah, direct to Everett Publishing.com com or or through through Amazon, I would guess.
1: Yeah, no, it's Evero, it's E V R O and a really neat site. Uh, they have a full line of uh, uh, racing. Theme books there of course our own david hobbs who's on the show here his book hobbles is, is through them and also brian redmond and of course your series too which i highly recommend really really neat book and uh, the the, the uh, f- photographs in there too in full color are just absolutely stunning and peter we certainly appreciate you taking time out today
0: no worries thank you very much it's been a pleasure